What I didn't know is that you know we were going to be able to quadruple our applicant flow and not really increase our advertising budget. Voices. We hear them every day. Some voices, like mine, are smooth and comforting. While, on the other hand, the Chad and Cheese podcast is like listening to a Nickelback album. You'd rather stab yourself in the ears with an ice pick. Anyway, you're now listening to Voices, a podcast series from Chad and Cheese that features the most important and influential voices within the recruitment industry. Try not to fuck it up, boys. Hey, it's Chad again. Welcome back to Voices with Amy Butchko, SAIC's Director of Talent Acquisition Solutions. This is episode two of a five-part bingeable series. We pick up the conversation with me challenging Amy on hiring company, quote-unquote, special self-inflicted needs when it comes to technology. And yes, I just used air quotes. Enjoy. So are those special needs generally self-inflicted, though? Because many companies that I've worked with over the years say, well, we do things differently. And that's only because they choose to do things differently. And generally, it's crazy inefficient and it's stupid. But yet, we do things differently. So do you think that some of those are really just self-inflicted wounds when they say they have special needs? No, I don't. Okay. Okay. So... You know, if you want to apply to a job in, let's take one of the legacy ATSs, pick uh, one. Taleo. Okay. If you want to do that, I think we all know that if you want to apply for a job in Taleo, there's not a way to do it without a username and password. Am right. I right? Yeah. Yeah. That is not a special need, guys. Uh, agree. Agree. So, so if I want an apply process that's not that, and I'm using one of these legacy ATS platforms, which applicant tracking system platforms, which has a very valid need to have identity information collected a certain way. You know, I think what you're what you're really talking about is the special need is you've got your the compliance side of the house, super important, Chad. I mean, you come from direct employers. I don't have to tell you about compliance. You can tell me about it. But then on the other side, you've got folks who just want to apply for the stinking job. Let me give you an example. So the platform that SAIC uses doesn't require a login to make an application. And therefore, it takes three to five minutes on average to get people through. And we we complete a huge amount of our applications. Our process is super efficient. So, you know, and, and guess what? I built that process. We built that process. Our business decided that was what we wanted. Last night... I was at um, the grocery store and there was a job posting that I thought my daughter, who's, you know, looking for, she was looking for, you know, something to do this summer in addition to what she's doing right now. And I shot her a screenshot of like the ad at the, at the grocery store. She's like, well, how do I apply? I'm like, this is hilarious, right? So I'm like, so I go to the grocery store's website and I hit, and I found the job and I hit apply just to see what it was like, right? Because now I'm like, I'm all in. And I want to know what it's like. And and it was a system, not not to lay out, it was a different one. I won't I won't call it out, but it was one of the, the big enterprise systems. And it was asking her for a username and password. And I thought to myself, wow, so this is what we're asking our grocery store farm. It was a pharmacy tech job. This is what we're asking them to do. And it's not easy. It didn't just say, give me your name, your resume, and how we can get a hold of you. So Amy, on on SAIC. 
I'm applying to a job and you first have, it's step one of seven. Yep. So your first is applicant agreement. Yep. It sounds like it's a contract, uh, yep. which is a little bit foreboding, but you're getting first name, last name, email, and mobile phone. Phone is optional. And then a drop down for getting text messages, which I think is fantastic to build up. And I'm curious what your database is of, of mobile numbers that you can contact. It's large. It's large. Okay, we'll go with that. It's large. <laughs> so if I if I accept step two, then I get into the pre-screening stuff and yeah. then the application. So so is the is this first page essentially your basic CRM? You're getting them in the system. You're marketing to them with this information. Because I think this is an important step that people miss, the sort of marketing information. Am I right? Am I right about that? Or and how did that happen? You're right. You're right. You're right. But it's it's a both and because what you're filling out is getting you into our CRM and it's and it's your application. It's both. We don't ask you to do it twice. Yeah. But I find it interesting that you don't say, hey, join our talent community or, hey, do you want to you know, get in with the community? It's like, this is step one. Give us some basic information. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't make it to step four, five, six, seven, you've got them. And I yeah, think that's an important element of, of right. what you're doing. So they're in my talent community. Well, you don't have to really make that distinction, right? Because the person's coming through to you. You don't have to say, welcome to the talent community. You Because they didn't come to join a talent community. They came to apply for a job. Right. Uh, and I think that's, again, this, this is probably something that was, that was created by vendors. Go figure. There was a need uh, to try to capture all those individuals who weren't, they, they were ejecting uh, before they actually got through the hundred uh, percent of the application. Uh, but, uh, but tell me about the process of rebuilding. Cause what you did was you imploded your current process and your tech and you built from the ground up, which is what we talk about on this show just about every damn week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so happy to hear and have you on the show to actually talk about this. So what did that actually entail? The first thing that it entails is relationships. Yeah. The way that a large enterprise, so I told, told you 26,000 employees, Uh, It's a big enterprise. There's a lot of corporate functions. So I had to really build a bridge all the way from our executive office, you know, to to get funding, you know, to, to be able to say, okay, this is important, you know, had a tremendous amount of support from our HR organization. Then though, it was a matter of really building relationships in our IT organization and those relationships endure to this day. And it's just, it's a tremendous partnership. But don't forget, you also have to be able to bring on board your procurement folks because these complex these contracts are complex. Everybody has different parts of, of stakes in the game. Embedded within, but part of the IT office also is cyber. And our cyber concerns and our concern with risk are our primary. So anything that we went after had to be something that was going to have, I mean, things as, as deep in the weeds as are your servers in the United States? Yeah. That's the kind of stuff. So Joel, when you, when you go to our application and you're like, wow, your application, you know, this thing is really heavy on compliance language for our applicant, Joel, that's a comfort. And I love I love the choices or options you give folks. So when I can upload a resume, I, you actually have integration with Indeed and LinkedIn, and I think a few others. 
Yeah. That was really smart because um, most people are just like, hey, upload your Word doc. Um, yeah. So to give them options is great. I I, I want to jump back real real quick to the texting thing. Do you use texting as a marketing tool as well as a outreach or interviewing tool? Like talk about text because I think that's, that's an important part of uh, recruiting today. The experience. Yeah. And so text is, you know, one of those things that I, I felt like we were probably a little late to the game on it. And the reason is because, you know, it felt like a lot of, you know, the fan, fancier, com, you know, consumer brands were already doing stuff like that. But, you know, for a brand like ours, we were had to be real, real careful to make sure that we're using it the right way. And so the primary mechanisms that we use text for today are one-to-one outreach, which can include some scheduling. We don't have a scheduling mechanism. Um, our calendars are, you know, again, this, this kind of gets into where you're, you, you end up having to touch systems that, that are very, very close to the firewall. So meaning your, your recruiters, when your recruiters are looking through candidates, they have an option to message them through they your system. Do, yes, so that's exactly. one-on-one. Okay. Exactly. And what else? Um, you know, we had just started right before the pandemic to do a lot of inbound text, you know, to attract people at events and get their resumes and engage them that way. We had just uh, done an event at um, at BEA, the Black Engineer of the Year Awards um, event, and then of course the pandemic happened. You know, but we had fi- we had pretty much figured it out. And, you know, so we use a lot of inbound, but that's going to become much more of a thing once it's not a pandemic and people are actually out and about and they can see the signs. So, <laughs> you, right. So, yeah. so a little, yeah. you know, so, so I, I think you have to, you know, in, as, as we're moving forward, we have to think about inbound, but then, you know, from an outbound perspective for our candidate pool, you know, and this is also something that's going to be unique to our business, my business is, you know, our candidates, especially the ones that are uh, difficult to find, they're going to be the ones with the the super duper security clearances, you know, your top secret TSSCI, mm-hmm. uh, folks with even more credentials than that. You know, we're not going to blast, we're not going to put them on blast because there's <laughs> only a couple of them who do all of the thing the things that that they do like right. it's a, you know it's like if you think we're in a niche within a niche within a niche they're really and and they don't want to be found so you got to be real careful how you deploy text that way because it's not just a matter of hey i got you know 5000 veterans that i can go and 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 text to to do this job it's like you know there, there's a subset of those and we'll go find them and use text that way Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.
So te- texting as well as I guess let's get into chatbots a little bit. But so yeah. there's a there's a real trend toward automation yep. where instead of a one-on-one there's an automated one-on-one message to them, they come back and that's totally automated. Is that based on your audience something you won't do or don't want to do or is are, is automation in the plans in terms of of texting or mobile mobile apply? Automation is on the roadmap and it will be deployed very selectively among audiences. So there is a group within my team that is working on automation. We've got some RPA, robotic process automation projects in play, but they are very selective. Um, You know, if I were ever employed in an enterprise that could do volume, I would use the heck out of it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the 26,000 people that work for us, are all really different people. Like it, it, there are, there are, I mean, I would hate, to, I wouldn't even call them buckets. I call them bowls of people. I mean, they're just, they're, the skills are pretty specialized by and large. And so to get into automation, like, yeah, we're looking at it, but I don't want to break anything either. <laughs> okay. So in getting this done, you went to the CRO. Were you looking to try to win friends and influence people uh, for more budget? Uh, what was that whole, what was the reasoning behind that other than to show them that uh, one of the reasons why we have issues getting people in the door is because of this piece of shit tech that we have? How, why did you do it? To increase candidate flow and improve candidate experience. So was it budget though? Were you trying to win budget from them and show them how bad this thing was? I was. Okay. I was. Well, I was also trying to get them to understand that they were making an investment in something that was terrible. Yes. And, you know, so like you're spending money over here and, and this is not a little amount of money. Mm -hmm. Like it's a lot, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, no matter what you buy in this, in this environment, once you get to the enterprise level. Right. So you're, you're talking about big bucks and you're going to have to spend these big bucks to make, you know, to get a compliant system. You're going to have to get, you know, you're going to have to do it. So what we were looking to do is say, okay, if you're going to spend this money, we think we can help the company do this more efficiently. We think we can help you do it more effectively. And we think that we can make a lot of impact with getting a lot more candidates through the door. I used to, um, at, at the time, I was a department of one. So that's also changed a lot because my department's much larger now. But, you know, as a department of one, you know, I would get these messages. Why am I not getting any candidates? Why am I not getting any applicants? And, you know, and I would, you know, I would just feel like the the pressure, just, you know, like the constricting around my neck. And I'd be like, I don't know, you know, I go into the system and I'd be like, wow, well, you know, the system, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, and the jobs didn't get posted and nobody can find it. And, you know, and there's no answer. And, and the vendor is like, has been acquired three times and we don't know where they are. So, you know, so, so it became like this whole just swirl of, bad customer service of things going wrong at the wrong time and still making an investment that was far disproportionate. And then also on the other side. So remember when you're trying to get applicants, you can, you know, one of the answers is to throw money at it, right? You buy more ads. That's, that's what companies do and have been doing for decades. (laughs) 
and they, and they throw money at them and then they th- and then they push them into a shitty process and those people they don't finish or they just keep applying over and over and over so you've you've pretty much paid for that candidate like six times over yes yeah it's a leaky vessel right and so what we were trying what what the pitch was was that we can fix this leaky vessel if we find the right system uh-huh and once we patch up this leaky vessel, you know, one of the other things that's that's happened that's a very tangible outcome that I, d- I didn't know about. I mean, I knew we were going to be able to, you know, plug the holes and get more applicants into the bucket. I knew that. What I didn't know is that, you know, we were going to be able to quadruple our applicant flow and not really increase our advertising budget at all. Amazing, right? <laughs> That's been static for years. Like my whole tenure. It's, you know, it's up. Yep. We'll just keep doing the same thing. It's working. It's working for us. You know, and now we're able to be a lot more strategic because we know that, you know, when folks are coming to us as applicants, we know that they're going to have a reasonable experience getting in the door. Now what we're working on and we actually um, put people through some training this year with the talent board to help us with trying to improve our candidate experience from apply forward. You know, so we're working on that stuff, but that's not system stuff. That's, that's a lot of people stuff along with the system stuff. But when you, when you go back and look at the system stuff, the return on investment has been so clear that, you know, now the cool, one of the cool things is, is that when somebody from my team or I goes to one of our, our partners around the corporation, we have a fair amount of credibility, you know, because nobody's looking at talent acquisition going, why can't you bring us candidates? And, you know, because even though candidates are, you know, it is a, it is still a tight, it is now a very tight market. People are looking for work. And if you are looking for work and you're interested in us as an enterprise, you know, we're going to get you into our process. Let's, let's dig into that a little bit, Amy. Uh, So getting people in the system, I think you've, you've uh, done really well on. And now one of the things that we hear a lot about, particularly in high frequency hiring is ghosting. Talk about how you guys combat that. Is it different when you're having, you know, it sounds like you have a lot of highly educated folks, um, unique folks you're trying to, to recruit. So how does ghosting impact you and how do you uh, solve that problem? It's a good question. Um, unfortunately, we probably don't get it right all the time. And it is something that we work at every day. So how do we do that? Well, one of the things that happened, Joel, was when you take your system and now you, you I already told you, told you that we're putting about four times more people through that system as applicants, right? We still have about the same number of recruiters. So, huh. Now I've got now I've got a little bit of a problem, right? Because now I've got to make sure that four times as many applicants are getting the white glove treatment, if at all possible. And Uh so what we've done is take the approach of, as I said, you know, we're working with the talent board. We've we've gotten some training where where we have automated some parts of the process where we can. You know, there are some business constraints. So yes, Chad, there are some special things about highly cleared hiring that you just can't. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) I get that. I totally get that. Um, So, so what we're doing is we're kind of trying to dial into um, different parts of the process. One of the things we learned really early after we kind of realized that um, there are parts of our process that are a black hole 
is that we needed to have a mechanism for our no thank yous that was more than, you know, peace out, we're not interested. And so now what we do is if you're not a fit, so Joel, if you did actually apply to a job when you went through the the process um, just now, and you are not selected, um, you will get some type of a message that says, thank you for your application. Um, you weren't selected for this, but here's some resources that might help you next time to prepare for a virtual interview, to work on your resume, to practice, you know, practice. Your- I, was, oh, I, was, I was too concerned about automatically becoming CEO that I didn't want to finish, finish <laughs> the process. Yeah. I don't want that kind of responsibility. Play- well, they did. you weren't selected at Monster. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Or Chad. <laughs> Chad brought me down on that one. I yeah. could have easily lo- lifted myself to that. That title, but anyway, <laughs> I digress and I interrupted you. I apologize, Amy. Please that's go okay. on. No, I actually. So yeah. So did I, I think? That, I mean, that was really that's how one of the things that we're doing is we're just we're going through the process and we're taking each chunk of it and systematically, right? You know, so I'm branded as the quote unquote solutions team, but you know, when you look at how we're actually going through and doing this stuff, it's systematically. Keep on binging. Episode three with Amy is ready and available. And if you're not already subscribed, look for the Chad and Cheese wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe or follow button. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube. 